Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991. To Boston, Bloomberg 1200. To San Francisco, Bloomberg 960. To the country, Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app at Bloomberg.com. This is Taking Stock. I'm Kathleen Hayes, along with Pim Fox. The focus remains on the U.K. in global markets as the pound falls to its weakest level in three decades against the dollars, even lower than the hit, the lows it hit right after Britain's vote to leave the European Union was passed. Why is this unsettling markets? Because it could hit a fragile economy at a time when the rest of the global economy is fragile as well. We're going to look at some of the currency impacts right now, Pim. Yes, uh, we've got Doug Borthwick, uh, Managing Director and the Head of Foreign Exchange at Chap the Lane and Company. He'll be giving us more details right now. More details from Catherine Cowdery in the Bloomberg Newsroom. Thank you, Pamela. Wall Street starting off this holiday-shortened week with a retreat. Bank of England Governor Mark Carney warned of prospects for a material slowing of the economy amid developing risks from Britain's withdrawal from the European Union. Now, banks are taking the largest losses, and energy companies are sinking along with the price of oil. The government said gasoline supplies on the East Coast reached a record. Jim Paulson, chief investment strategist at Wells Capital Markets, on one of the reasons why he thinks the market can reach new highs over the next few months. I like the fact that this rally since January has been very broad-based. The equally weighted indices are outperforming overall, which tells you that a broad array of stocks are doing better than the market cap weighted. I think that suggests that a a number of companies are are experiencing uh, earnings momentum again. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. Dow Industrial Average is down 138 points, three-quarters of a percent, trading at 17,810. S&P 500 down 19 points, nine-tenths of a percent to 2,084. The Nasdaq is down 56 points, 1.2 percent to 4,806. West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil down $2.32 a barrel, 4.7 percent to 46.67. Spot Gold is up $19.20 a ounce at 13.5820. Ten-year Treasury up 22.30 seconds with the Yield of 1.37 percent. Among today's top business maker business stories, it marks a revival for the iconic baker Hostess Brands. The baker of Twinkies and Ding Dongs plans to become a publicly listed company. And now let's get an update of some of the other stories we're following today on Bloomberg Radio. Thank you, Catherine. From the Bloomberg Newsroom, I'm Jill Schneider. Home Secretary Theresa May has won the first round of voting in the contest to replace David Cameron as the next conservative leader and prime minister. Mrs. May, who began the race as the frontrunner, got 165 votes. Minister Andrea Leedsum came in second with 66. Liam Fox has been eliminated from the race, coming in last with 16 votes. The battle against Zika continues. Virginia Senator Tim Kaine said today most mosquitoes stay within a 200-yard radius of where they are born. You can find the spot of the standing water and you can wipe out standing water or spray there. In, in that narrow geographic zone, you can reduce the density of mosquitoes and then reduce the incidence of Zika. Officials say Islamic State appears to be increasing its attacks as the group loses territory across the Middle East. Here's Deputy Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. Territory matters a great deal because what it does is it's the pole of attraction. It's where they get their resources by exploiting people within the territory they control, oil, extortion, etc. It also is the pole of attraction for jihadists around the world who think that they see ISIS succeeding, 10 feet tall, building the so-called caliphate. 
Authorities now say at least 175 people were killed and almost 200 wounded after a truck bombing in Iraq. Islamic State claimed responsibility. If you watched fireworks in the city last night, you likely noticed beefed-up security. About 5,000 NYPD officers were dispatched to oversee the show, the largest detail the NYPD has ever assigned on July 4th. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,600 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. From the Bloomberg Newsroom, I'm Jill Schneider, and this is Bloomberg. Catherine? Thank you. And now let's get a quick check of the equity benchmarks. Dow Industrial Average down 133 points at 17,816. S&P 500 down 18 points at 2,084. NASDAQ down 55 points at 4,807. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. This is Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. In the aftermath of the Brexit vote, uh, the pound plunged, global equity markets suffered, bonds rallied. Things seemed to stabilize for a while, but today, as the head of the Bank of England, Mark Carney, sought to reassure investors that the Bank of England is ready to take even more steps to shore up an economy that will be hit by the Brexit vote, heading for a recession and more, uh, this pound slid again. Stocks are under pressure. Where will this end? And what does it mean as these uh, these asset classes keep moving so sharply? Let's bring in Doug Borthwick now. He joins us from Chapdelaine & Co. here in New York City, where he is Managing Director and Head of Foreign Exchange. Doug, welcome back. Thank you very much. Nice to be here, Kathleen and Ben. So how do you assess what is going on in the U.K. and how it's hitting the pound at this point? Well, going into this, we we always talked about how this was a bit of an iceberg, and we knew where the top side was. We always thought that was 150, and the downside we weren't really sure. And you know, we've now hit this 130 level. I think that it's it's very good that Theresa May today got the 165 votes in the the first vote of who's going to be the next leader. There's further votes on July 7th and 12th, and then all party members for the Conservative Party will vote again for September 9th. And that sort of surety of who's going to be the next leader and who's going to lead the UK through Brexit. I think it's very important, and the market should adapt to that and see through that. But as you can see, that's in two months' time. In the meantime, the market today is really reacting on the back of what Carney said. And what Carney said is, look, growth's going to be lower, and we're going to have to cut rates. So the expectation is now they'll cut 25 basis points to around a quarter of a percent in August. But on top of that, they also may increase QE to $500 billion from $375 billion sterling as well. So in other words, the U.K. has decided we're going to cut rates we may end up having to print some more money, and that's obviously negative for sterling. Doug Borthwick, I'm wondering if you could explain why these round numbers, like $1.30, $1.50, how does anyone arrive at those specific levels? I mean, with a company, you can do a valuation. You can say X number of shares, current market value, and then compare that to sales as well as net profit. But can you do that when you're looking at the currency market? No, no, it's very much uh, more of a, a chart, watching a chart as opposed to an actuality. I think, though, when, when you looked at the way the polls were going into the, uh, the, the Brexit vote, remember we're trading around about 148, and we actually went up to 150. That was when the market had decided with 100% certainty that the U.K. was going to stay within the union. And that's something that the market very much had a hold of, which is why we came out to our clients and said at 148, now's maybe the time you should be short sterling because it seems like all the good news is priced in. And we see that so many times. For example, on March 10th, when the market thought that the ECB would end up doing further QE and they didn't, and you saw a huge rally in the euro, we saw the same thing in sterling as well. 
So a lot of the time you find that the market gets very frothy and excited about a position when the reality is that you know, that actuality hasn't yet happened. So in terms of what happens next, at some point after such a big, big drop in the pound, big move up in the dollar against the pound, you'd say, well, you know, this has got to be just about it. And of course, as you mentioned, there are some, there are some upsides to a weaker pound, which Mark Carney uh, mentioned as well. I mean, to a certain extent, it helps exporters, although the, the hit to the, to the current account and the capital flows seems to be of of a a much quicker impact that has to be dealt with. And the, the boon to exporters seems like a play out over a much longer time. I think that if you look at sterling and, and its value, you can really think of it as going from a global nation to isolationism. And when, you know, I think one of the best charts to look at really is maybe sterling yen, where in the 70s, sterling yen was trading at, at 900, and now it's trading at 132. Sterling against the yen has dropped 25% year to date this year, where sterling against the dollar has only dropped by 12%. So the UK, as it begins to become less of a global nation and much more of a singular, isolated nation, is just losing the value in sterling because fewer people really want to be involved with sterling because they don't have to be anymore because the UK becomes more and more irrelevant to them on a daily basis. And I think that that's what we're seeing in this movement in sterling today is that sterling's taken itself from sort of one of these global leaders with a huge sphere of influence to becoming one that really is only going to be managing itself. And if it's only managing the United Kingdom, it could be that it could only manage that for a year or two before Scotland ends up leaving. And so you're dealing with a a currency now that is being less used globally and has less of a sphere of influence and so is having less of an impact on the world. Doug Borthwick, uh, not only is uh, political news in the United Kingdom dominating headlines, but also in places such as Australia. I wonder if you could give us your outlook for commodities, uh, for currencies that are tied to commodity producing industries. Certainly Australia is tied to commodity uh, industries, but it's also very much tied to China. And what we're seeing is obviously you've seen dollar-China rally. There's been a lot of discussion about how China's devaluing their currency in the background and, and no one's seeing it. Certainly China's been devaluing their currency against the yen and versus the euro, or at least up until lately. But against the dollar, China's only moved by 2% um, on the year. I think that as long as there's weakness in China or perceived weakness in China, there will be perceived weakness in the Australian dollar and in the Kiwi dollar. Obviously, the Australian dollar is added to by the fact that there's no clear leader leader yet in the general elections, and that's causing heaviness there as well. Thank you very much. Uh, Douglas Borthwick is Managing Director and the Head of FX at Chapdelaine and Company, speaking about the uh, British pound, which currently trades against the dollar at 130 and the Japanese yen at 101.52. This is Taking Stock. I'm Pim Fox, my co-host Kathleen Hayes, and this is Bloomberg. A brewing Italian banking crisis. This is another important part of the fallout from the Brexit vote. We'll be looking at that and what it means for the EU broadly. This is Bloomberg.